Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. So let's pray and then we're going to get in the word. Father, thank you for this wonderful night. Thank you, Lord, that we all gathered here, that we are the family of God. We thank you, Father, that we are family and that you have made us that way and that you have given us an inheritance, that you've made a way for us in this life. We thank you, Father, that you speak to us, that you lead us, that you have prepared things for us to walk in and that you've equipped us, Lord, with gifts that many of us, we don't even know what they are yet because they'll come to us at the time that they are needed. And I thank you, Father, for the word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our teacher and that you reveal the word to us, to each one, wherever they are in their life, this word will apply to them. We thank you, Father, that the Word of God has found a home in our heart. We welcome in the Word of God. We love hearing the Word of God, and we love it coming in and changing us. And so we thank you for the God-breathed Word that has the life of God on it with the power to change us. And I thank you, Father, that you stir up that passion upon the inside of us. Some of us may have lost their passion for prayer or passion for the word, but I pray, Father, that you would stir that up within us as we go into a new year. Stir up the passion in our hearts for your word and for the things of God and for being together, being assembled together in the house of God as a family. Stir us up, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you are here to Teach us, and we just thank you, Father, for your presence in the name of Jesus. And we all said, Amen. Don't let me forget that's my little journal. All right, well, as this is going into prayer, I wanted, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about prayer. Before I do that, I want to make this announcement. The last week in January through the month of March, on Thursday nights, I am going to be teaching the ladies' Bible study here. Uh, Thursday morning I'm going to teach, and Thursday night I'm going to teach. So if you work, you can come at night. Amen? Yay, I'm really excited about it. And so uh, I wanted to make that announcement because uh, sometimes people uh, don't know all the events that are going on. So that will be the last week of January we start through the month of March. And I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing you and getting to know you and having more one-on-one time. So I'm excited about that. But since we're in prayer, I wanted to talk about prayer tonight. Now, whether you know it or not, whether you can see it or not, acknowledge it or not, there is a battle going on around you all the time. You may think it's just your cranky self, or you may think it's just your cranky husband or friend or whatever, but one thing we've got to realize, that there is a battle going on around us continually, and you are the target. The enemy wants to discourage,
discourage you. He wants to distract you. He wants to take away uh, your faith. He, he wants to completely destroy your witness so that you won't tell anybody about what God has done in your life. And uh, he, I, I want you to know this, he doesn't play fair. He has no compassion. You, you might say, well, gosh, I've had such a hard year. This has gone wrong. This has gone wrong. Surely things will lighten up on me. No, they won't. Because that's not the nature of, the, of Satan, the accuser of the brethren, the deceiver, the liar. That's not his nature. And, you know, we need to understand that. I, I grew up in, in, in the church, and uh, we didn't ever really mention his name. I don't know. Maybe people were afraid of him, but we didn't mention that when I was little in the church I grew up in. But he's very real. He is invisible, but he is not fictional. And we have to realize that. He is invisible, but he is not fictional. He is not a figment of your imagination. He's not a figment of somebody else's imagination. He is invisible, but he is not fictional. And so I want to look tonight at, at his, some of the strategies that he may work against you. I want you to be aware of this. Because listen, God has not left us down here helpless or defenseless. But if we do not know what we've been given, if we don't know how to combat the enemy that's coming to steal our peace of mind, who's coming to steal our relationships, well then we'll just continue living in strife. I want to say I love the worship tonight. It was just so tender, so beautiful, so soft, ministered to me so much. And I appreciate the musicians that lead us into his presence. And I love that song where it says that uh, darkness can't stay and chaos can't stay because chaos is one thing the enemy brings in your life. I don't know if you've ever experienced chaos in your life, but I can't stand chaos in my life. And so when that starts happening and things just seem to be happening all around, I know the enemy is really trying hard. Now, that, like I said earlier, there is a battle going on and you could choose to ignore it or you could choose to rationalize it. But you know what? Sometimes you need to do this. You need just to take a step back from your life and you need to look at your life. You need to look over your life and you need to see what is happening here. What is going on here? Because sometimes we ignore that. We just walk on. We don't, we just say, oh, well, oh, well, that's that, that's what that is, or that's life, or whatever. No, it's not. It's not the life that we've been promised. It's not the scripture in John where it says that we've been given an abundant life. It, it's not the life that God has promised us. So if we need to step back from our life, and we need to start looking at things that are happening in our life. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a, an emotional situation. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe it's all of these at one time. But we need to step back, and we need to take inventory. We need to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something's happening here. And I've just let things get out of control, and everything is going on around me. The devil wants you to live in strife and chaos and broken relationships, financial problems, and he wants you to get your eyes off of what God has for you, your purpose and your destiny. And the word of God says that God has created you for a destiny and for a purpose. And not only that, he wants to get you sidetracked so you'll forget about your destiny, your purpose, and the destiny and purpose of your children and your grandchildren. I mean, he's not just after you, he's after your whole family. 
And if we don't begin to see, wait a minute, what's going on here? Uh, we'll just begin to think, well, you know, I'm having marital problems, so the devil's going to come in and he'll say, oh, I just married the wrong person. It's, their, it's them. I just need to get away from them or I need to get away from her or him. Oh, well, if I just would have, uh, if I would have just made better choices or whatever, or if I just would have, if I just would have like changed and, or he would have just changed, everything would have worked out. Or you say to yourself, you know what, my kids are never going to change. They're always going to be like this. Or you say, my finances are always going to be like this. My family's always been poor. We're always going to be poor. This is just how it is in the beginning. And pretty soon you just begin to listen in your head to the father of lies because that's what the word calls him, the father of lies. And pretty soon we just begin to compromise and we begin to let that into our life. But God has a way. He, the word of God says in Philippians, that's a beautiful chapter. We were just there. But Philippians chapter one, verse six, it says that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That means that God is not through working in your life. God is not through with you. God has a great plan for your life and for your children. It's just not about us, but it's for our children and our grandchildren. He who began a good work in you. It was a good work God started. And not only that, it's an eternal work. Now, it says he's going to complete it. You might think it's, it's never going to happen for me. God's given up on me. I'm telling you that that is a promise that says God is going to complete that work he began in you through all eternity. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you are. We have a long journey down here. We, I have had a 70-year journey, and my journey is continuing. And God is still working in me, and he is still showing me things. I, I mean, I haven't given up. I'm not quitting, and neither are you, because I'm going to tell you, don't quit. And so it is a struggle, and I don't lessen that. I know that. It is a struggle. And we look here in Ephesians chapter 6. And we, we want to look in verse 10. And remember, again, I read out of the Amplified Bible. It says, in conclusion, be strong. And he says, in conclusion, because he's given us uh, five chapters of all these marvelous truths that God has for us. He says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. And what that means is that you, you're strong if you have a relationship with the Lord. Your strength comes in your relationship with the Lord. Now, I said, as I was praying, it came to me that some of us have lost our passion. Some of us have lost our passion for the word or lost our passion for prayer or lost our passion for, for gathering together. And we pr I prayed, Lord, stir us up. Because it says here that be empowered through your union with him. If you've lost your passion for prayer, I believe God's going to restore it to you because in that relationship, we receive power. If we're prayerless people, we are powerless people. If we are prayerless, we are powerless. Amen. It says, draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Verse 11, put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavily armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand against all the strategies and deceits of the devil. Now, it says in verse 12, for we wrestle not. It's not talking about just a little, uh, you know how you put your arm on the table and somebody challenges you, you know when they push your hand over? Uh, what is that called? 
An arm wrestle, okay, thank you. It's not talking about a little arm wrestle here. It's talking about life and death struggle, wrestling. Now, how many of you can say you felt that wrestling on the inside? <laughs> I have, I raised both my hands. I mean, it's a wrestling on the inside. Do this or don't do this. I should do this, but I don't want to do that. I know I need to do this, but I've got something else I'd rather do. I mean, I don't want to say that, but I said that. How many of you know that this is a struggle on the inside of us? And he says, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. Oh, you mean it's not that a husband? It's not that wife? It's not that friend? It's not that child? No, it says right here, we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, but... It says, continuing only with physical opponents, but against the deputisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are like world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. I think the King James, it says, uh, uh, wicked spirits in high places. What is that saying? It means that there is a battle raging all around us, whether you can see it or not. Remember, the devil is invisible, but he's not fictional. And he is contending. There's just things that are going on around you that, you know, we have to, the word of God says we contend for the faith. There are things that come against us that wants to take our faith away. But it says in verse 13, therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger, having done all the crisis demands, stand firmly in your place. Stand, therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins, having put on the breastplate of integrity and moral rectitude and right standing with God, having your feet shod in preparation to face the enemy with a firm-footed stability, the promptness and readiness produced by the word of God, the gospel of peace. Lift up over all the covering shield of faith, faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the spirit wields, which is the word of God, verse 18. Pray, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayer. To the end, keep alert, watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints. Verse 19, and pray. This is Paul, the great apostle. He says, pray for me too, that freedom of utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news. Verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in a chain in prison, pray that I may declare it boldly and courageously as I ought to do. Here we talk about the armor of God. And it's not, it, it's not something that, you know, sometimes we think that Paul just said that because there were guards surrounding him and Roman soldiers had on those helmets and breastplates and those uh, big shoes with nails and spikes and stuff in the bottom of it. But it's actually the armor of God. And it's not an armor of man. It's the armor of God that we have. In Isaiah 59, it talks about the armor that Jesus had on. It talks about his helmet and his breastplate of righteousness. We have the armor of God. I think sometimes we think, well, it's just like a Roman soldier. No, I'm telling you, it is not a Roman soldier armor that we have. It's God's armor that we have. God's armor that we can put on. And God's armor deflects. He, he quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. So we have to put on the armor of God. And I would love to teach on the armor of God, but that's not our subject tonight. The subject tonight is 
praying, praying. What is going to activate the armor of God? It's our prayer. It's our prayer. I mean, it's like the helmet of salvation. That's talking about what's on your head. It covers, that helmet covers your head. I have walked around sometimes without a helmet of salvation. My head's been so full of nonsense or so full of wrong thinking. And I just walk around like that and I think, wait a minute, I, I don't even have that on. But the thing about it is it's not activated because I haven't been prayerful. If we do not pray, the enemy will defeat us. And you know, you can see things happening and you can think, oh, well, that's just happening. And I just want to convey to you the passion that no, we have authority in the name of Jesus. We have the armor of God and we have prayer, prayer that makes the power of God available unto us. And just because we can't see that battle raging, trust me, it is. Keep a finger here and, and turn over to Second uh, Kings. Let's look at Second Kings chapter 6. This is a story about Elijah, Elisha, and uh, the great prophet, and Elijah had already gone on, and this is Elijah, and uh, uh, look at this, and we're going to start reading in verse 8. I wonder how long this water's been here. Verse 8, it says, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel after counseling with his servants, he said, in such and such a place shall be my camp. Then the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you pass not such a place for the Syrians are coming down there. Now, as I'm reading this, remember, we're talking about strategies, strategic prayer. Remember over there in Ephesians, it said that uh, the strategies against the enemy. Listen, these are not taking God by surprise. God knows what strategies are. God understands strategies. So, and here is the prophet of God. And uh, he sent down to the king of Israel and said, no, don't go over there because the king of Syria is laying an ambush for you. Verse 10, then the king of Israel sent to the place of which Elijah told and warned him. And thus he protected and saved himself there repeatedly. I mean, God knows what the enemy's trying to do. Do you get that? It says the man of God told the king, don't camp there because the enemy's going to attack you there. I mean, God knows the strategies of the enemy. And he sent a word through that prophet so the Israelites could protect themselves as God protects us. Look in verse 11. Therefore, the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. He called his servants and he said, will you show me who of us is for the king of Israel? You know what he's saying? Somebody is telling that we're coming. Who is it? There's a spy here. Who's telling it? Well, in verse 12, one of his servants said, none, my Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And he said, go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. And it was told him he's in Dothan. Verse 14, so the king, the Syrian king sent horses, chariots, and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And of course they would do that because it was under cover of darkness. And that's what the enemy does in our life. He tries to sneak in. He comes under the cover of darkness and he surrounds us. Look at verse 16. 
Oh, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots were around the city. Elijah's servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, here's these two guys. They're in uh, Dotham. And then here comes this king and he surrounds them by night. And when the, the servant wakes up in the morning and he goes outside and he looks and he sees the, all these horses and all these chariots and they're surrounded by him. And he looks at that and he says, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? He was just looking. He was just looking with these natural eyes at the circumstances. He was looking with his natural eyes at what was before him and he saw the king's horses and chariots. But Elijah said in verse 16, fear not. And listen, I have stars around that verse and I hope that you would put it. Fear not for those with us are more than those with them. Verse 17, then Elijah, what did Elijah do? He what? He prayed. Elijah prayed, Lord, I pray you, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Now, he couldn't see that with his natural eyes. He just saw the, the enemy. He saw with the eyes of fear. He let the fear overtake him because of what he was looking at. But what he was looking at was not anything compared to what was in the invisible realm. What was in that realm he couldn't see? It was the horses and chariots of fire of God. And if you read the rest of the story, they defeated the enemy. Hallelujah! <laughs> I mean, see, I said that just because the devil is invisible doesn't mean he's fictional. He's real. We can't see all the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. I mean, we can't see that. We may see all of the destruction and things that the enemy has done, but I'm telling you, in the realm of the spirit, there's God's host of chariots. There's angels. There, it says, there are more for us than be against us. Hallelujah. Oh, that's so exciting to know that God cares about us so much that he would just send a host of horses and chariots of fire and deliver these people. And he did. But see, that servant was so afraid because he was just looking at what he could see with his natural eyes. Now, how were his eyes opened? Because Elisha prayed. Prayed. Now, remember that. Uh, so, you see, God understands strategies. Let's turn over to, uh, back to Ephesians. I think I was supposed to quit, but if you can see, that clock on top is just going crazy. Do you see it? Look, look at it. I, I don't want to be the one to tell Pastor Don this, but look at that clock. I don't know what that means on the top. Oh, that's what it means. Keep going. Okay. So back here in Ephesians, it says, pray at all times on every occasion in the spirit with all manner of prayer. Keep alert. Watch with strong purpose. There are more with us. God's spirit is with us. Keep your finger here and just look at Ephesians chapter one. Okay. I know it's time. I, I'm going to go right here and then we'll quit. 
This is a prayer that Paul prayed for you and I. Just imagine, this is sort of like Elijah praying for you, okay? I mean, this is Paul praying for us. This is a prayer that Paul prayed for us in Ephesians chapter one, verse uh, 17. For I always pray to the God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight to the mysteries and secrets, intimate knowledge of God by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and his glorious inheritance. And so you can know and understand the surpassing greatness of his power in us and for us, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now listen, that's a prayer that Paul prayed. Paul didn't pray a prayer, God give them uh, these things right now. These things were already ours. Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know He didn't pray, God, give them an inheritance. He prayed, God, help them to know what they have. Help them to know what they have. And he says there that we have uh, riches of glorious, eternal riches, eternal wealth we don't even know about. We have the power in us and for us, that same power that raised Christ from the dead. Now listen, I'm gonna close after this, I promise. One example. So, say, I, I go down to the bank. I put a million dollars in your bank account. Wouldn't that be great? But you didn't know it. You didn't know it. And here you were struggling and struggling and struggling. And there you were starving and starving and starving. You couldn't feed your family. You couldn't feed yourself because you, you didn't know what you had in the bank. All the time, you were just struggling and struggling and struggling. I mean, you could starve to death and you could have a million dollars in the bank because you didn't know you had it. I'm telling you, I meet a lot of people like that that are Christians. We have all these resources. We have all these heavenly resources, eternal resources. We have the name of Jesus. We have the power of the blood. We have the power of prayer. We have the armor of God. We have all of these resources, yet we're living down here being defeated by the enemy because we don't know what's happening in the realm of the spirit. Just like that person that they have a million dollars in the bank, but they starve to death. Why? Because they don't know. I'm praying that your desire and hunger for the word of God, that you could see tonight the power of God, that you could see tonight that there is a war that's raging, that's invisible, but the devil, he is not fictional and he wants to stop everything that God has planned for you. But he can't because we know, because we know what we know, don't we? We know what we know and we're gonna share what we know. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.